Good morning. Thank you all so much for being with us today. Uh, I've been told that the clock in the back is wrong. That clock says 10 after. My watch says it's like 22 after. Uh, But for my purposes this morning, we're going to go by the clock in the back. So here we go. We're so thankful for your presence. I think it's worth noting that we do have a group missing this morning. Uh, The Sunday school class led by Kevin Carolland and Kyle Ashby, among others, is away on a retreat. And so there are a few holes uh, throughout this morning, and we hope that they've had a wonderful time away up at High Lake, and let's be praying for them as they travel back this afternoon. And let me say one final time, we'd love to see you back tonight. At 6 o'clock, we're going to have worship as we normally do in the auditorium, uh, but we're going to have some of our young men leading, and we're going to have several uh, youth groups from around our county, young people from various congregations joining us, so we'll have a lot of guests. And then everybody's invited to to, uh, join all the young people and guests down in the Van Zandt Center uh, for pizza, but if you plan to come, please bring a dessert or chips, is that right? And... uh, Sign up in the lobby if you're planning to bring one of those on your way out this morning. But please, come back here tonight at 6. We are still in the midst of our one-word series, as will be throughout the year. And this morning, we're going to start on a stretch of words that, that concern Christian character. In fact, we started with this last Sunday afternoon. Uh, during our all-in-one, I talked about mercy, and that was the first word uh, in this this sort of mini-series on Christian character. This is the second. The word this morning is love. An appropriate word, seeing as how Valentine's Day is coming up in just two days. I hope that you remembered that. It's kind of important. Valentine's Day, February 14th, and our word this morning is love. Is there a word more used, yet less understood? You know, we've been trying to figure love out for a very long time. And I could share with you innumerable examples of the confusion about love that exists in our culture today. But I'm just going to share with you some song titles from pop culture. Listen to some of these. What is love? I'm not going to sing them for you. Uh, I'm just going to throw out the title. What is love? How about this one? I want to know what love is. Almost saying that one. I think I love you. I think I do. I mean, it feels that way, but I'm not so sure if I do or not. There's some question there about love. How deep is your love? A crazy little thing called love. And how about this? It must have been love, but what's the next line? But it's over now. It must have been love. I thought that it was, but whatever it was, that feeling has subsided. It's ended. All of these songs illustrate our questioning about love. Can love be spotted in a look, do you think? Lauren and I have some good friends in Chattanooga. The husband, it's a husband and wife. The husband is a huge Tennessee Vols fan, and therefore he's a huge Peyton Manning fan. And when the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl just last year with Manning and his final game of his career, this guy, our friend, he was just beaming at the TV, so happy at the outcome, and especially beaming in the moments after the game as Manning was being interviewed. And his wife looked over at him, and she noticed 
the way that he was looking at the TV and looking at Manning, and, he, and she said to him, you know, I really wish that you looked at me like you look at Peyton Manning. And he said, honey, I have loved Peyton Manning a whole lot longer than I've loved you. Do you think love can be spotted in a look? Can love be found in a feeling? A young man, a teenager, returns home one evening and says to his father, Dad, I just know that I'm going to get married to my girlfriend. She's the one. And he said, well, how do you know that you're ready to get married? I mean, are you in love? And the son said, I am absolutely in love, yes. Well, how do you know that you're in love, the dad says. Well, tonight, I was at my girlfriend's house. And I was kissing her goodnight on the front stoop. And her dog jumped out of the front door and bit me. And I didn't even feel the pain from that bite until I got home. That's how I know I'm in love. The love is so strong that I'm just impervious to pain. I didn't even feel it. Can love be found in in a strong feeling like that? You know, we think about these ideas of love that are thrown around in our culture, and they leave us in want. And, And they leave us saying things like, surely there's more to love than this. What is love? I remember when I was in either the third or fourth grade, I had a girlfriend, and I wrote her a note, a personalized note, probably on some construction paper for um, either, it was either her birthday, it may have been Valentine's Day, and I wrote in there, I love you. And my mom saw the note before I delivered it at school that day, and she saw that I had written those three words, and she said to me, this is a nice note, but I mean, really, do you love her? And I said, oh yeah, yeah, de- yeah, absolutely, definitely. But you know what she was asking me, right? She was asking me, do you know what love is? What is love? But you know, every so often, every so often we hear a story or we experience an event in our lives that causes us to say, yes, now that, that is love. Jim and Jean are a Christian couple in the Atlanta area, and they have a great passion for helping refugees who are legally resettled here to find their footing in this new land. And they've helped people from Kosovo and Iraq and many other countries, people with many different backgrounds. But the family that they're currently assisting is a Sunni Muslim couple named Muhammad and Ebtisam and their four-year-old son named Hassan. Jim and Jean, this Christian couple, helped to find Hassan a local preschool to attend, and they actually accompanied him on his first visit there. And they delighted to see him playing and interacting with the other children who welcomed him there. Here's what Jim says about what he and Jean do, about their passion. He says, Jesus said, when you help someone in need, it is like serving him. It's like we are serving Christ when we are helping people, plus building relationships with them. And the relationship between this couple and this family has grown to the point that when you ask Muhammad about them, he will say in broken English, Jean is my sister and Jim is my brother. Now, Jim and Jean didn't know this family until they came to the U.S., And they're very different 
than this family, but they have selflessly cared for them nonetheless. Now that is love. Christian author Alicia Bruxbort tells about sitting in her minivan in her friend's driveway. She hadn't planned to stop there on her way to the grocery store, but something her friend had said the day before kept running through her head. They had been sitting together at the park while their kids played, and her friend mentioned to her a personal struggle that she was dealing with. Tears began to pool in her friend's eyes, but she quickly laughed it off, and Alicia didn't know quite what to say. So she just gave her, you know, one of these quick side hugs and patted her on the back and then changed the conversation to something a little lighter. But later she ran across this verse from Proverbs 17, 17, where the writer says, a true friend loves regardless of the situation or loves at all times. And in that moment, she felt convicted to go and visit her friend. But she began questioning herself, like, what was she going to say when... After she knocked on the door, her friend answered. She was about to shift the van into reverse and just abandon the whole whole thing when she thought about her eight-year-old daughter, Hannah. You see, Hannah had come home from second grade the day before with a blood stain on her sleeve and dried mud on her backside. And she said, she told her mom, today Grace got hurt at recess. She tripped on a kickball, she scraped her knee on the cement, and she fell in a puddle of mud. Her mom said, so you took her to the nurse, right? And she said, no. Grace's leg was just too hurt. She was hurt too badly to walk. But the fastest boy in second grade said he'd run and get the teacher. So I just sat with her until the teacher came. And her mom said, you sat with her in the mud puddle? And Hannah said, yeah, I I think that she just needed a friend to be with her while she waited. And as Alicia sat in the driveway staring at her friend's front door, she knew what God was calling her to do, to go be present with her friend, to sit with her in the mud puddle of her life that she was dealing with. And she knew that even if she didn't have the right words to say in order to heal her hurt, she could sit there and hold her hand. Now, that's love. Let me tell you about a young woman and her mother-in-law. I don't know what associations you have with that relationship, but oftentimes that relationship is fraught with tension and difficulty, but the one I'm going to tell you about is not like that at all. On one level, the story of these two ladies is a tragedy because the husband of the young woman and the son of her mother-in-law has died. But on another level, this is a beautiful story of devotion. And by now, you probably know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Ruth and Naomi from the Bible. Naomi, whose husband was also deceased, she decides to leave Moab, where she has resettled, and return to her homeland in Judah. But she says to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who is a Moabite and who is living in her homeland, Please stay here. Don't come back with me to a foreign land for you. Stay here. Seek a new husband. Start a new life. Please let me go on my own. But you know, if you know the story of Ruth, what Ruth says, she defiantly refuses. And in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, she says these famous words to her mother-in-law. 
Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And that's where I'll be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. Ruth has no legal obligation to stay with the mother of her dead husband. But she chooses to be devoted to her anyway. And Ruth's loyalty to Naomi was so great that people outside the family in the community took notice. And they referred to Ruth in chapter 4 and verse 15 as the daughter-in-law who loves you, as they spoke to Naomi. Now that is love. Many of you have heard the name Jim Bill McIntyre, a well-known preacher. Some of you have probably heard him preach. Uh, He lived in the Nashville area in his final years, but he went to both Harding and Lipscomb, and he was on the board at Harding for many, many years. He passed away back in 2010. His wife's name was Betty, and they were married on July the 21st, back in 1943. In their life together, Jim Bill and Betty raised two children. They served churches in Arkansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee, and they traveled really all over the world for Jim Bill to conduct gospel meetings. But in the last few years of her life, Betty suffered with Alzheimer's. And as that disease does, she became progressively worse. But despite this difficulty, Jim Bill, he kept on preaching. And he brought Betty along with him as long as it was possible. It was Jim Bill himself who would fix her hair, put on her makeup, and dress her in the way that he knew she would have wanted. Jim Bill once asked a preacher friend through tears, crying, if this friend thought that God would forgive him for making sure that Betty took the Lord's Supper every Sunday. He said, I know that those who partake should be able to discern the Lord's body, and she just can't do that anymore. But I know that if she were in her right mind, she would want to take it every Sunday. Until Betty died in 2003, Jim Bill took care of her. Even when she could give nothing back to him. He gave his all for her. Now that's love. I think about an older couple that I know over in the Jackson area. In fact, I stayed with this couple for a summer. The lady, Miss Rebecca, recently had a major stroke. And she has lost the ability to talk in in an intelligible way. And she's now just now relearning to walk It's been months since she had her stroke. And I saw a video on Facebook just yesterday that her husband, Mr. Larry, posted. And it was Rebecca, the first time that Miss Rebecca has walked all the way down their driveway. And I could tell it was a struggle for her. She had the walker, and it's like her legs just didn't want to keep moving forward. But you know who was right by her side, helping her every step of the way? It was Mr. Larry, with his hand right there, steadying her on her back. Now that's love. All of these stories point us toward the love that we read about in the Scriptures. 
One of the Greek words in the New Testament that we translate love is the word agape. And agape love is more than just a feeling. It's a commitment. It's a decision. Agape love lasts longer than just a short time, than just a season. It's steadfast. It's enduring. Agape love is not about self-fulfillment. It's not about what you can get out of it. Agape love is about selfless sacrifice. When the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, our scripture reading for this morning, that God is love, it's talking about agape. Agape is what describes the loving bond shared between Father God and His Son, Jesus. It is what has kept them bonded throughout all eternity. It's agape love. John 17, 26. And agape is something that not just God the Father and God the Son share in perfect communion. Agape is what God experiences for all humanity. John 3, 16. For God so loved, that's agape love, the what? The world. All people in the world. This kind of love God does not keep to Himself. It's not just something that's shared between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. It spills over from that perfect union, that Trinitarian union, and it spills over into this earth. God experiences this love, this kind of love, for all humanity. And agape is the attitude that God has for His special people. John 14, verse 21. And that's us. Disciples of His Son. Members of His family. Part of the body of Christ. God loves us in that way. It was agape that compelled the Father to send the Son to earth. That allowed the Father... To willingly let his son go, knowing what would happen to him on this earth, for the purpose of laying down his life for us. It was agape that compelled the son himself to willingly die on the cross for our sins. We know that it was not something that he wanted to do. We know that he prayed, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way than for me not to have to suffer, please enact that plan, Father. But Jesus went there of his own volition, out of love, for me and for you. And when we consider that sacrifice, when we envision Jesus hanging there on the cross, his, our sin upon his shoulders, When we reflect on that sacrifice momentarily at the Lord's Supper, we ought to say to ourselves, now that is love. You know, when we think about this kind of love, when we really bore deep down and discover what true love, real love, agape love, really is all about, we learn that the question we were asking at the beginning about love The question, what is love? It's really the wrong question. 
The question, understanding this love, it's really not about finding out what it is. It's about understanding what it does. This kind of love that we're talking about, this love that originates with God, it's really, it's a verb. It's active. It's not agape love unless it's expressed, unless it's demonstrated. Listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love. We only know what love is because of God. God is love and God shows us what love is and we have no concept of love apart from God. And John says, by this we know love. Not that he tells us that he loves us. Not that in flowery words he expresses his affection for us. No, it's by his actions. Listen to what he has done. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And therefore we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. True love is always expressed in action. And so it's not about what I can receive from love. It's not about how love makes me feel. It's not about finding some satisfaction or fulfillment in my loving relationship. It's about what does love require from me? What does love demand? And so the question I want to ask you this morning is, how will you love when you leave here? Not how will you feel more loving towards others. Not how will you express your love in words towards others, as important as that is in our relationships. But how will your love turn into action? Because it's only by God's action in sending His Son, that we know what true love is. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you, what? Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. It's a high calling. As God has loved us, and think about how God has loved us, and think about how He's shown us His love, we are then called to go out and to love others in that way? How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that level of selfless, sacrificial love in your life, in your relationships with others? Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. That is a wonderful statement to make before you this morning. A fantastic declaration to make. May the Lord make us all increase and abound in love, not just for each other, not just for our brothers and sisters in Christ, not just for those in our families, not just those that we're closest to in friendship relationships, but for all. Does your love for your neighbor need to increase a stranger? Does your love for a friend or a family member need to increase? Does your love for your husband or your wife, your spouse, does that need to increase? How will that love be expressed this week and in the weeks to come? How will you demonstrate your love for others? 
You know, loving others begins with experiencing God's love. And there's one more thing that I want to say about God's love, about this agape love, true love. God loves you not because you're good, but because He's good. There was a story in the One Word devotional book, and I think it was under Mercy, about an old Dennis the Menace cartoon. You know, Dennis was always getting on Mr. Wilson's nerves and pestering him, and that's why it's called Dennis the Menace. But Mrs. Wilson always had a soft spot for Dennis. And her relationship with Dennis was very different. She was always very tender with him. And in one particular comic strip, Dennis and his friend Joey are walking away from the Wilsons, and their arms are just loaded up with a lot of cookies. And Joey says to Dennis, what did, we des- what did we do to deserve all these cookies? And Dennis says, don't you know that Mrs. Wilson makes cookies for us, not because we're nice, but because she's nice. And that describes the love that God has for us. God loves you not because you're lovable, but because He is love. And the question for you today is, do you need to come and receive that love? Do you need to come and to claim the blessings that go along with a loving, committed relationship with God? I know that we have people here today who have not yet been immersed in water in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. There's no better time, there's no better place than right here and right now for you to do that. And we would love to help you begin your walk with Jesus Christ this morning by taking you up, parting the curtains, getting down in that water so that you could be made a new creature, so that you can enter into that relationship with God, so that you can become part of God's family, so that you can be promised eternal life with Him forever. Or maybe you have faltered in some way in your Christian walk. You're struggling in a way that you haven't, articulated or voiced and you know we had two come last week last Sunday asking for prayers asking for forgiveness needing support from their brothers and sisters in Christ and boy did they receive that from this church family and you can receive that this morning as well if you're struggling God loves you in a way that you've never been loved before He loved you so much that He sent Jesus to die for you. And He's waiting on you to come and make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Would you do that today as we stand and sing?